Father, we've sung uh, together this morning, um, expressing our desire, um, not only this morning, but in all of our lives, to be aware of your presence. We want to be people who are aware, moment by moment and day by day, that um, you're never far from us, that in you we live and move and have our being. And Father, I want to pray that as we're here this morning and as we open up your word, um, we would come awake again and come aware again of your presence. Uh, Father, I want to pray that we would know that the living God is with us as we read your word. Um, Father, I want to pray that as we read a passage this morning that's maybe quite familiar, uh, that you might speak to us a fresh word this morning that you might catch us by surprise and catch us off guard and speak something to us that will make a real difference, that will bring healing, that will bring transformation, that will bring encouragement and hope, that will bring new life. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us through your word? And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to jump right in. Um, we're, we're reading from one of the most famous passages in Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah chapter 61. And hopefully my clicker will move on. No? No power? Not sure what's going on. Oh, there. Am I reliant on you, Emily? Okay. I'll, just, I'll give you a nod, Emily, when I need to move on. Um, just, just as we come to read, um, reminding you where we are in this later part of uh, Isaiah, uh, what, I want to encourage you to imagine you're with the people of Judah in exile. Um, your people have been in exile in, in Babylon for 70 years. So if you imagine that, most of the first generation who went to Babylon are now dead. There may be a few older ones still hanging on. Um, but your people have been in captivity for 70 years. I want you to imagine you're, you're now getting ready to go home to your homeland after 70 years, or maybe you're on your way home, you're making your way around the desert to get back to your homeland, or maybe you've just arrived in your ruined homeland, which has been devastated and destroyed, right? So that, that's kind of where we are, getting ready to go home on the way home, arrived in your homeland. And I want you to imagine how would you hear these words from Isaiah 61? How would they have sounded in your ears and in your heart as you went home. So let, let's listen to God's word together. Isaiah 61, uh, reading from the first verse. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, 
a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Then go down to verse 7. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Then down to verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. It's maybe lovely that we finish on a a soil and growing metaphor. Um, It's not about potatoes and onions springing up, but about righteousness and praise springing up before all nations. Um, I wonder if you'd been one of the returning exiles, um, which phrases among those that we just read do you think would have most resonated in your heart, uh, would have most kind of jumped out at you as you heard them? Um, Maybe I want to suggest there's a couple that would be really obvious. First one would be this, is freedom for the captives. So if you're getting ready to go home or you're on your way home or you're arriving in your homeland, that phrase is going to jump right out at you. That This is literally coming true for them uh, at, at that moment. They are, after 70 years of captivity, they are now free. They are returning to their homeland. Um, or maybe the phrase that might have really caught your attention as you returned home would have been this one. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Talks about God restoring the places long devastated. The places that have been devastated for generations are going to be rebuilt, renewed, restored. And so that would have stirred your hope as you returned home. Not only have you been set free from captivity, but now what has been ruined for a long time is going to be rebuilt, rebuilt, renewed, restored. Um, And of course, the people of Judah did return to the land and they did rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the walls of the temple. And you can read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, And yet, as we've talked about before, for the returning exiles, there was also still a lingering sense that something was missing. Um, I don't know if you noticed as we read those verses this morning, um, Isaiah 61 really promises much more than just physical return from exile or even just the physical repair of broken walls. Um, For me, at the heart of Isaiah 61, there is a trumpet blast of joy. If we can put up uh, a colourful, joyful trumpet. There's a trumpet blast of joy at the heart of this chapter. Um, I don't know if you noticed as we read the number of times that um, joy or joyful language is used. The oil of joy, a garment of praise. You will rejoice in your inheritance. Everlasting joy will be yours. 
I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Praise will spring up before all nations. It is overflowing with um, joy. And you can go back and read it again for yourself later and just hear those words um, jumping off the page. Um, But I use the phrase, uh, a trumpet blast of joy, very deliberately because the people of Judah um, would have heard something in this passage which we might miss. Um, when When the prophet says, proclaim freedom, and then speaks of the year of the Lord's favor, that if you were a Jewish person steeped in the Old Testament, your mind would have gone somewhere very specific. Your mind would have gone to Leviticus 25. And one of the most beautiful commands God ever gave his people. I wonder, did you know that commands can be beautiful? I think this one is a beautiful command that God gave his people. Um, the first part of the command was that every seventh year was to be a Sabbath year which meant that they were to let the land rest. You can go and read this for yourself later in in Leviticus 25. So every seven years, you're to let the land rest and recover. But after seven of those cycles of seven years had passed, and if you do your maths, seven sevens is 49. So the next year is the 50th year. And that 50th year was to be an extra special year. It was to be a Sabbath of Sabbaths. And in that year, they were to sound a loud trumpet throughout the land. They were to go through the land blowing a trumpet. And they were to proclaim freedom throughout the land. And that's the phrase that was used, the same one we just read in Isaiah 61. And in that year, debts were to be cancelled. So anybody who had got themselves under a load of debt that they couldn't get out of and couldn't repay, and whose life was crippled by that, the debts were to be cancelled. And anybody who had ended up in slavery because they'd no other options and they'd ended up in a dead end and they were enslaved, they were to be set free and returned to their home. That's what that year was to be about. And they were to call that year the year of Jubilee. (laughs) Now, that may sound familiar because there's things going on in um, our part of the world this year that's called the Jubilee. But that word has been borrowed from the Bible. Um, it's from Leviticus 25. Um, I was trying to kind of imagine, I, I guess, when the Jubilee celebration comes around, I don't know what people will do. They'll drink lots of tea and wave flags, and there'll be lots of, I'm sure there'll be lots of very exciting things will happen. But I tried to imagine, imagine if to celebrate the Queen's Jubilee, um, everybody in our country who was in debt, their debts were cancelled. Can you imagine? Everybody whose life has got crippled by a dead-end choices and they, they've no options and they've run out of... They're, they're under a burden of economic slavery and working a job they hate and they can't get out of it. Imagine if we blew a trumpet throughout the land and they got set free. It's hard to imagine. Um, the year of Jubilee means literally the year of the ram's horn because that was the kind of trumpet. It wasn't this kind of trumpet that they blew. It was a big ram's horn that they blew throughout the land. Um, it's one of the most beautiful commands God gave his people. Um, for me, one of the saddest things in reading scripture is there's no record of God's people ever obeying that command. We don't have a record of the people of Israel ever keeping it. Um, and now 
when we reach Isaiah 61, the prophet says, I have been sent to proclaim freedom, and he uses the phrase from Leviticus 25, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so I wonder, can you imagine if you're part of the people of Israel, part of the people of Judah, how the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, and you hear the sound of trumpets kind of somewhere in the background. Um, And it maybe helps us understand, for the people of Judah, as they return from exile, and return to the land and rebuilt the walls and rebuilt the temple, if they were being honest, they didn't yet have a sense of that jubilee joy. Their physical exile was over, but there was a kind of deeper exile of the spirit, of the heart, which continued. And they were aware of maybe many ways in their lives in which they were still held captive. They were no longer captive in Babylon, but there were things still, still holding them captive. They were still aware of a spirit of sadness and despair that hadn't yet given way to joy. They were still aware of ruined and damaged places in their hearts and lives and communities. They were still aware of living with a deep sense of shame, which can lie over a life like a, like a heavy blanket. So they were aware they were, in one sense, they'd been set free. In one sense, the ruins were being rebuilt, but they were still waiting for the trumpet to sound of this joy and this liberation that had been promised. And so for the people of Judah, as they returned, they were faced with a very practical question, which I think can sometimes face us as well. We'll put it up on the screen. Um, What do you do with a partly fulfilled promise? In other words, what do you do if God has given you beautiful promises and those those promises have been partly fulfilled in your experience but not yet realized in all their fullness? What what does a faithful believer do at that point? Um, I wonder how you would answer that question. Does a faithful believer say, do you know, God promised me 10 things and four of them have come about and actually that's kind of enough. It would kind of be greedy of me to ask for any more and really I don't deserve any more than that so I'm going to be thankful for what I've got and move on. Is that, is that the faithful thing to do? Sometimes maybe some of us think that's the humble, faithful way to respond. Um, but I want to say something maybe a little bit challenging. Um, God wants his people to take his promises seriously. So when we have a promise that has not yet been fulfilled, the faithful thing to do is to bring that promise to God and say, I'm holding on to this and I'm taking you at your word and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to watch and I'm going to wait to see the full realization of all that has been promised. Um, And so for the people of Judah, for the people of Israel, for the Old Testament people of God, that's what they did, or at least that's what some of them did. Um, It wasn't true of all of them. Some of them gave up. Some of them settled for what they had. But the faithful ones held on to God's promises, and they watched, and they waited. They waited for this year of the Lord's favor, this year of Jubilee to come. They waited for what they called the consolation of Israel, They waited for God's anointed. They waited for God's Messiah to come and for all of Isaiah 61 to be realized in their lives. More than 500 years 
after the return from exile. Let's put up the next slide. Um, you probably know this story. Um, a young man, aged about 30, you can try and imagine the scene, walked into his local synagogue in the village of Nazareth in the backwoods of Galilee. He was a regular attender in that synagogue. They knew him. Um, everyone knew him. He was the son of the local carpenter. He spoke in the, the local country accent that everybody around there spoke in. And he stood up and he was handed a scroll to read. And up to this point, nothing is unusual. Someone has to read the, do the Bible reading, right? And so he's handed a scroll and it happens to be the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And it happens to be open to the section of Isaiah 61. And this young man reads, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then you know what it says? It says he handed the scroll back to the attendant and he sat down and it says every eye in the place was on him. And I always wonder what that was about because you hear the Bible read all the time, but there was something about the way this young man read it that meant every eye in the place was on him. And he sat down and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And that's the phrase, um, it's not from Isaiah 61, but that's the phrase that I want to focus on for our last few minutes, if we can put it up, Emily. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Um, I want to I wanna jump right from, we've gone to the people of Judah and Babylon to the time of Jesus uh, 500 years later. Uh, but I want to jump right to our present day. And I want to apply these words to you and I. And I want to say this, that Jesus is here today in your hometown. I'm not talking about his hometown anymore, but he's in your hometown. And I believe that he is saying this morning, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing and in your lives, and among you. Um, Jesus is the one who's been sent by God in the power of the Spirit, who's been anointed to bring good news to the poor. That's why we call him Messiah, which means the anointed one, or Christ, which means the anointed one. He is the one who's been sent to bring freedom for the captives and all the rest, all the rest of what is promised here. And he's here today for you. He's here today for us. Um, and so I want to encourage you to apply the words of this prophecy to your life. I maybe want to ask you some um, practical questions. Where, where are you aware of poverty in your life, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual? Where are you aware of being held captive of things that entangle you and keep you from living in freedom? Um, where are you aware of sadness or a spirit of despair in your life? Where are you aware of ruins and devastation and damage that's maybe been there for a long time? Where are you aware of shame that hangs over your life? I want to encourage you to th think about those questions. 
And I want to say to you this morning that Jesus is here to sound the trumpet of Jubilee, um, to bring liberation from everything that holds you captive, to bind up your broken heart, to give you, give you a crown of beauty, to anoint you with the oil of joy, to clothe you with garments of praise and of salvation, to rebuild and restore and renew everything that seems damaged beyond repair and to make you into an oak of righteousness. Isn't that a brilliant phrase? I wonder, can you imagine yourself? Can you look in the mirror and see an oak of righteousness? <laughs> um, a public display of God's splendor. That's, that's what it says. So that people will point at you and say, that is someone God has blessed. I wonder, can you believe that that is true for you? Um, Jesus is here in your hometown saying today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never brought your damaged life to Jesus, um, today would be a really good day to do that. Um, I find myself thinking about a, a song that I love uh, that you could use as a prayer that says, you can have my heart if you don't mind broken things. You can have my heart if you don't mind these tears. Because I heard that you make all things new. So I give these pieces all to you. If you want it, you can have my heart. I'll be a good thing to pray. Um, if, you're, if you're aware this morning of damage and ruins and brokenness and shame and captivity and all those other things, Jesus is here wanting to fulfill these words right here, right now in your life. Um, Maybe um, you're here this morning and you brought your broken pieces to Jesus many years ago. And maybe you've seen him do bring some of these things in your life. And you're really thankful for what he's done in your life. But maybe you're also a bit like the people back in their homeland. You're also aware that something is missing. That you're not living in the full joy and freedom that's promised here. And maybe you're still aware of corners of your life where there is shame or there is despair or there is brokenness or there is captivity. Um, maybe you don't feel this morning much like someone dressed in garments of praise uh, and a crown of beauty. Maybe you don't feel much like an oak of righteousness. Um, can I encourage you this morning um, as one of God's people not to accept a partial fulfillment. Can I encourage you to take God at his word and hold on to these promises in, and hold on to them in their fullness and trust God and watch and wait? And maybe you want to ask a friend this morning or this week, uh, maybe you want to say to them, here is where I haven't yet seen the fullness of this freedom and this joy in my life. Would you watch and wait with me? Would you pray God's promises over my life and we'll watch and wait till we see these things happen in our hometown, in our lives? I want to encourage you to do that. Um, there's one last thing I want to say um, before we finish. Um, this passage, as we've said, reaches its greatest fulfillment in Jesus, the Messiah. Um, he was God's anointed. It's always good for us to remember he is the Messiah and we are not. <laughs> Um, and 
He is the one who is sent to set the captives free and lead them into jubilee joy. But it's also important to say as we finish, now these words get handed on to us as his followers because the same spirit who descended on Jesus at his baptism is now in you. And you have been chosen and you have been anointed and you have been filled with the spirit and now you have been sent. Jesus says, as the father sent me, I am sending you. We often talk about Isaiah 61 being Jesus' manifesto. I'll not, I'll not talk about manifestos and recent elections and all the rest, but um, this is Jesus' manifesto, but now it is also our manifesto. This was his mission, and now it's our mission. And so if I can encourage you to do something really practical this week, um, spend some time reading Isaiah 61, but the first time you read it, Imagine Jesus speaking these words to you. So in other words, you are the poor, the captives, those living under shame, those living in brokenness, those living in despair. And you hear Jesus as God's anointed come and speak these words to you. Make sure you hear it in that way. Uh, but then I want to encourage you, read it again. But this time, remember, Jesus has now given this commission to you. And so you can say, and this sounds kind of audacious, but you can say this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to go and preach good news to the poor and freedom for the prisoners and the captives and joy for those who are in despair and to see the, the, the broken places rebuilt and all the rest. And I want to encourage you to read it that way as well. This is our manifesto to carry this message of joy and liberation. Imagine if every Christian who lived in our land made it their mission every day to go and do this. Good news for the poor. Um, freedom for the captives. Binding up the brokenhearted. Um, and that was what drove us and, and inspired us through every day. Um, let's pray that it would be so. Um, let's pray together. And then we're going we're gonna to sing. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray this morning for those in the room, for those in the cafe, for those outside, for those uh, tuning in online. And I want to pray very especially for anybody this morning who's just feeling really deeply that they are in a place of captivity or a place of despair or a place of brokenness beyond hope of repair or a place of shame. And I want to pray that they would hear Jesus, the Messiah, come and, come and stand before them here in their hometown and say, I have come to bring freedom. I've come to bring joy. and I've come to repair what's broken. And I've come to fill your life with everlasting joy. Father, we need the help of your spirit to believe that this morning to believe that good news. Father, help us bring the broken pieces of our hearts and our lives to the only one who can make all things new. Help us to do that even today. 
And Father, would you also light a fire under us this morning and send us out to our family, to our neighbours, to our friends, to our colleagues, even to our enemies, as people who've been sent to carry good news and sound the trumpet of jubilee and of freedom and of joy throughout our land. Father, help us to know how to do this tomorrow um, in the power of your spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.